Hello, everyone. Uh, I just wanted to uh, add a quick word here before we get into the episode. So we recorded this episode two weeks ago, um, but we didn't want to release it without acknowledging first all the pain and anxiety that black people in America and worldwide must be feeling at this moment. We want to say the names of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, Joa Pedro Matos Pinto, uh, and sadly, many, many, many more around the world. We readily acknowledge that we can never know what it's like, but we stand in solidarity with the lives lost far too soon. Black lives matter. While this episode will strike a humorous chord on numerous occasions, we wanted to first state how seriously we respect and support this movement. Enjoy the show, stay safe, and please accept this brief moment of silence to follow the words in support of people who are rising up against systemic racism. It's an anxious time for us all. So we hope this episode resonates with you and thank you very much for listening. Welcome to I Am Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green, and today we are anxious about movies. Leading in from that exciting intro, we'll start off the way we always start off, and I will ask you on a scale of one to sobbing into your bucket of popcorn, how are you feeling today? I am around a four, maybe even a three, actually. I was having a good day, and then right before we were recording, I was trying to finish up some photography for my food blog. Food photography is super hard, and I don't like being bad at things, and so I was struggling with it quite a bit. I got so anxious right beforehand because I was like photographing mac and cheese, which is probably the ugliest thing you can photograph. It doesn't matter what you do to it. And so I was really stressed, and then I ate two enormous plates of the mac and cheese once I finished photographing it, and now I'm in carb heaven, so I'm at like 3.5 right now, maybe a 4 even. Very or good. no, wait. Three would be better. So I'm at like a three, yes. three point five. Yeah, I was I, for a second. I questioned myself, and I was like, "Wait, is that is, is four <laughs> math words? is hard?" Yeah, I think that's worse. Yeah, um, fair enough. Cool. So I guess uh, I will go ahead and just mention that I think I'm kind of around the same as you. We talked about this before, but it's a bit Groundhog Day esque because I feel like I'm I'm now because of this podcast now very attuned to the patterns of my week in the sense that it seems like in the beginning of the week, I tend to be a little bit more stressed and then sort of, I guess, more things get done throughout the week. I tend to relax a little bit more. So since we're recording today on a Friday, I've kind of in a way already tackled all of the big tasks that were giving me a lot of stress. And so I think I'm pretty, pretty relaxed and calm today. I I say was telling you before we started recording, I led two webinars yesterday, which I spent a lot of time stressing about on Tuesday and Wednesday, and now feeling pretty good. Wednesday, or maybe it was Tuesday, was a particularly just like, it was just one of those days during this epidemic where 
you know, it just was not, it was a write-off. You know, I just woke up and I was like, ah, this is not ideal, but I just kind of roll with it and feeling good today as well. I, I'm also really excited. Uh, I don't want to go into a big personal tirade for people who might be listening the first time and they're like, why are you sharing all of this? But uh, it is Brie, my wife's birthday tomorrow. So oh. I'm excited to try and make that a special day for her. And that's something that I get not anxious about, but like kind of nervous, excited about. So kind of like, a, I guess, positive anxiety in a way, you know, I'm excited to be um, there for her and to make that a big day. So those are all things I'm excited about. And, and I think the festivities will probably start not too long after we're done recording this. So I'm feeling pretty good. And, um, and, I, and I'm hoping that everybody else is feeling uh, okay today as well. And, and if you're not, that's okay too. Well, happy birthday to Brie, first of all. And second of all, I think one thing that this quarantine has taught me is that that it's okay to have those write-off days. I used to really value my productivity as like the key indicator of how successful my day was or wasn't. And I think that's such an unhealthy mentality to have in every day of your life, you know? Some days are just going to be write-off days, and that's okay. And I've tried to be more intentional about being like, this is a write-off day and not actually forcing myself to work through it if I know I'm just not going to be able to do anything. It doesn't always happen <laughs> quite like that, but I've been trying to be more conscientious about saying, you know what, today is a day where I don't really expect to produce anything, and that is okay. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very fair point. I So you know how I basically I understand the world through extended metaphors. And most of the metaphors are through what I'm interacting with and, and around. And I just sort of let them seep into my existence for better or for worse. And so now I think I've kind of accidentally created this metaphor because the only thing I can really do is be in my apartment and see people who are doing construction across the street from me. And so I've created this metaphor <laughs> around that. And what I'm referencing there in particular is the idea that some days you, you, know, you go to the work site and you realize you've forgotten your tools. And I think for me personally, a lot of the time, instead of taking the time I needed or you know, to extend the metaphor going and getting the right tools or, or working on another day, I would just try to build the same thing without the tools I needed. And so I think in a lot of ways, I'm just understanding now that it's often better to just accept that you aren't going to be able to build what you thought that day, but that's not the end of the world. And, and that's ultimately better than building something terrible and saying you did it, you know? Yeah. And I think also to keep elaborating on this construction metaphor yes, that we've decided very to illustrate is uh, that there's a lot of time where you don't feel like you're doing anything. It doesn't look like you're doing anything, but you're really laying important groundwork for later work. And a lot of that is subconscious and just occurs without you even knowing it, I think. So I think there's a lot of work that we do in just showing up. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think no, it that does. it's a slow process sometimes. And even the parts that look like nothing are actually something most of the time. I think that's true. And and even think about it in terms of this podcast, you know, we we've, we've put in a lot of work before releasing it. Um, which we'll be doing shortly, which is very exciting. And I guess by the time people hear this episode, it will be, it is it is technically released. So we have, we just haven't done our grand announcement, so to speak. But you could argue that before 
things were, you know, quote unquote, live on different platforms, we put in a ton of work for something where we couldn't see a direct output. And that can be anxiety inducing for me. And it's almost a relief to see it there. At the same time, too, I knew kind of all along, I had this sense that it wasn't just about the output in this case, that there was a lot that I was learning from this process, be it podcast editing, or just the opportunity to think about how you know anxiety and ADHD to a certain extent affects how I live, generally speaking. So there you go. One thing I will say, you know, we talk a lot about mental illness on this show and just our experience and relationship to anxiety, but we always like to mention before we get into the meat of the discussion that, uh, yeah, you know, unfortunately, neither of us have our doctorate just yet. And so what we're doing here is having a humorous conversation that we hope people can relate to and not necessarily trying to, um, you know, save lives, although we hope that we're making a positive impact. We just hope that you as a listener feel feel less alone by hearing this, but we unfortunately do not know what we're doing <laughs> at all, <laughs> even with respect to our own lives. And we're just muddling through it the best we can. So we offer no advice, only condolences. So <laughs> Indeed, indeed. So today we are talking about movies. It's something I'm excited about. We kind of in true fashion, always decide on the topic a couple of days before we record and then have some time to mull it over. And and in the process, we always come up with a bunch of other topics, which we might talk about. But I think movies was one that from the beginning, we had circled and underlined as something we both wanted to talk about and probably for different reasons. So I'm excited to get into it. And uh, and I think it's going to be a good ride. And, and hopefully our listeners feel the same. Do you want to kick it off by talking about, you know, generally speaking, what is something that makes you anxious about movies? I know we have some overlap on this, but uh, like everything, we'll both have a, a little bit of a different side or spin on things. So go ahead, take it away. Yeah. So my main anxiety about movies is the time commitment of watching a movie and the fact that, I mean, a movie is pretty much minimum 90 minutes, often two hours, sometimes cruelly over three which I think is pretty much a crime against humanity um, because no one should sit for three hours and watch a movie. That's just, you need a break. You need yeah, an intermission. Thanks, thanks to the Irishman on that one, you know. I refuse to even start that because I know it's going to be like a three-day endeavor. And I have not watched any of The Lord of the Rings for the same reason, even though I am a nerd. It should be like my archetype that I like Lord of the Rings. But I was on a 14-hour flight to Sydney, Australia, and I didn't even watch Lord of the Rings then because I was like, oh, it's too long and I had nowhere to be but sitting in a plane. And I was just like, even then, I was like, this is too long of a movie to watch and um, I don't want to do it. I just like things to move at like a slightly more rapid pace than a three-hour movie will allow. And so, you know, it's funny though because... I will easily binge almost an entire season of a show totaling up to like four to six hours of television and that won't give me a second of pause. But I think it's because the breaks between each episode give me this illusion of choice that, oh, I can stop at any time. Even though I know myself, I'm probably actually going to sit and watch four hours worth of a show if I really like the show. I just don't like the fact that once you start a movie, 
it's kind of like you're in a car with no brakes and you just got to wait until you run out of gas. That that probably is not how a car works. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good thing that we're podcasters and not mechanics. I will. Yes. I will say as much what you kind of referenced there with the time investment is it's fair to say that's my central anxiety to some extent. It's not an overstatement to say that I'm obsessed with the way that I plan my time and the way that I think about time. And so to have like a two hour movie or hour and a half movie or something, it does literally give me like a visceral or a, like a, I can feel like physically anxious about putting on a movie if it seems like it might not be worth that amount of time, if that makes sense. It can be a big choice. Like I can't, I can rarely recall when Free's like, do you want to watch a movie? I'm like, yeah, like it's, it's kind of rare that I will tune into movies unless I'm really engaged because like I read something on Reddit or I've looked at reviews and there's some specific reason. I usually won't do, like I'm not the sort of person that would ever like put on like a movie in the background that I didn't want to pay attention to. Like I guess I'm intentional about watching movies that I think can improve my existence in some way or like add insight and this comes back to some of the things we've talked about before where like I kind of feel like I'm not going to consume any content that I don't feel like will I don't know if make me smarter as I word that sounds really obnoxious but any content that won't add something in a positive light you know what I mean I I don't know I'm not sure if all that makes sense but to me like that's one of the the central anxiety I have is kind of like well is is this movie going to be like garbage content for my mind that I'm kind of like adding garbage into the river or is it going to be you know adding in something that's going to be worthwhile and I'll be able to ponder over and again it's possible that both of those are probably overkill and slightly you know unnecessary but that's a big thing for me is that is like the time for a movie I will get anxious about it and I I don't want to go on too long a tangent without letting you respond but even further like even once I found a movie I could not watch a movie sitting down. I'd have to be like stretching or like moving a little bit or like doing some yoga or something like that. The likelihood of me sitting in one place to watch a movie is almost impossible. I also struggle with sitting. I won't actually necessarily physically move around, but a lot of times if I'm not 100% engaged with the movie, I become hyper aware of my body and I'm like, I'll get like sort of restless legs or like just a sensation that I want to shift a lot. And so definitely, if I'm not engaged with the movie, sitting through it is painful. Not a movie, but I went to the opera and it was physically painful watching the (laughs) opera. Like, it was this feeling that I'm like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. I want my phone. I don't want to look at this. I don't want to hear this. And I did not enjoy it at all. And it was a struggle for me. I want to dive into that a little bit, even though it's a side tangent from movies. What was it about the opera that you were that you were sort of struggling to exist in that moment? It seems like you wanted to be anywhere but <laughs> in that chair. Yeah. So can you elaborate on what was it? Paint a picture of what the opera was doing for you that was was driving you into a mental tailspin. I am not exaggerating to say that I actually probably would have rather just been at the dentist. Um, and I don't have a particular fear of the dentist. I'm kind of lukewarm on the dentist, but I would have rather been getting a light teeth cleaning than being in that opera. I had seen the opera before, like 10 years ago. So I already knew what was going to happen. 
And we were mostly just going as like a cultural experience because like the opera in Sofia is like 10 euros. So we were mostly just like going with a friend from out of town. So I already kind of knew what was going to happen. And so even though I didn't exactly remember the whole story, I knew enough of it that there wasn't any intrigue. Nothing felt new. And I don't know. I just I just was not interested. Um, it was not a particularly good or bad opera, but I just didn't care for it. And also, just side tangent, Carmen is so racist. It's such a racist opera, and I had no idea how racist it was when I first saw it when I was like 18 or 19 uh, studying abroad in the Czech Republic because I didn't really understand the history of the Roma people or gypsies as they're called a lot and I didn't understand that there was a lot of stereotypes and prejudice in the in the opera and so I was either just like noticing like wow this is super fucking racist maybe not do that (laughs) and just the sensation of just sitting through it was uh kind of painful so yeah and I just wanted to look at my phone I really just like once I got that thought in my head it was like an earworm it's like god I want to look at my phone oh I I wonder what's (laughs) happening on my phone like even though (laughs) I'm just horrible I'm just my husband really likes live performances so I feel really bad and I tried to go to a ballet like a month later being like, oh, maybe this will be fine. And it wasn't. It was not fine. I was struggling there too. So I think I just really struggle with live performances that aren't like a play that I can super throw myself into or like a musical that I can super throw myself into. I think I need, it needs to be more narrative than interpretive, I suppose, if that makes sense for me to pay attention. Going all the way back to what you said about um, not wanting to consume garbage. I willingly and happily consume garbage a lot of the time. In fact, I'm more concerned that I'm going to watch a really good movie in a really bad headspace and miss out on a good movie because I'm not tuning in because I'm tuning into other things because I wasn't really ready to watch a movie. Interesting. So because my husband likes to watch movies a lot more than I do, And we're in quarantine, so we have all the time in the world to watch movies. So a lot of the time, he'll put something on and I'll be sort of paying attention. And then at some point, I'll realize, fuck, like, I actually kind of wanted to pay attention to this movie. (laughs) And uh, but it's like too late. And so I think for me, it's more a fear of the missed opportunity of there being a good movie and not really getting, you know, the full experience of it because I didn't feel like paying attention versus wasting my time. I don't mind wasting my time. In fact, I quite enjoy wasting my time. I will like happily watch a whole season of like trashy reality show in a day. Yeah, I consumed Too Hot to Handle on Netflix in like a day and a half and I have no regrets. So (laughs) I I throw no shade on that either. I think that when you paint it like that, it makes a lot of sense to me. But I guess in my head, I'm like, if I'm not ready to watch that movie, I'll just do something else the problem i think i have and it's just it's something i objectively know is just that oftentimes when i like what, what you're talking about when you're like i need to sit down and watch a season of trash to get me back to that place where i can you know even think about being productive like i guess my problem is that i i have a tendency to just keep pretending like i don't need that and and, and just keep working until until i sort of burn out because I, I think i have a central anxiety around time of 
just how intensely limited it is. It's something that's at the forefront of my mind all the time. And so I put a lot of pressure on every single day. I, you know, I've often abided by something which I call no zero days, which is like literally never like making sure you're always working towards goals. I, I think in general, it's good to want to strive towards something, but I'm also coming to realize that you can't possibly be your best self at all times. And I probably ought to stop pretending like I can live up to that like unrealistic sort of goal. And, but it all, it does all come from that central tenant of wanting to improve every day, wanting to get better every day and all this kind of stuff. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes I can paint like a movie that is just for, you know, just really easy to watch and you might laugh and have some fun. I know how important it is to laugh and smile and have fun. Like I love laughing and smiling and doing all that, like as much as anybody else. But I think for some reason that it's the commitment, like I'll, I'll, I'll happily go out for dinner uh, when you could and, and spend, you know, and spend five hours drinking beer and chatting with people and having the best time and laughing and whatever. And I can see the value in that. But for some reason, the commitment of like like an hour and a half or two hour commitment of a movie can sometimes be overwhelming. I'm getting a lot better at that. I just more wanted to elaborate on that central sort of that central tenant, which is uh, something I'm like constantly battling with. And I think probably maybe, maybe other people can identify with it in some way. And probably you can as well when you, you know, you're intelligent enough to objectively look at a situation and be like, I know that that's not right. And yet you like feel a certain way about it. You know, it's almost like that battle between what you know to be true, but your behavior towards it doesn't really line up with, you know, how you probably should react to that mm -hmm. being an intelligent person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I think in principle, I like the concept of no zero days, but I know myself and I know how actually restorative my zero days are. And so I would kind of have a bone to pick with that concept at the end of the yeah. day because I think that's fair. I just think that. I'm someone who, like, I pour out my cup a lot and pretty much empty myself out quite a bit. And I can feel it when I've done that, when I've sort of reached a point where I either, like, push too hard or just have been kind of muddling through for too long. And then I just know that I need a zero day. So in, in a way, I think that they can be really restorative. And so get the concepts, but... You know, it's like one of those things where, you know, you read sort of productivity books and you're like, okay, well, I can understand where you're coming from, but like, this is just not how my brain works. That's mm. the thing with me is that like, I am truly incapable of going at a, you know, at a steady rate all the time. I need to have days of no motion in order to like continue to be in motion. Yeah, I think we probably all do. I think that's probably a, a very human thing and, and it's it's more just my own coming to terms with the fact that uh, as a human being i need to abide by the way that humans biologically we need some time you know physiologically yeah. we need some time and so perhaps i ought to ascribe that to myself and maybe that's uh, a realization or something i can continue to work on basically i i understand inherently that with human beings need rest and breaks I just seem to be not quite as capable of, of planning in that time. And it's probably a good case for why movies probably should be better incorporated into my life. And I also understand like movies are, are really valuable from a cultural standpoint and I should make time to, to engage with them. So maybe this podcast is where I realized that uh, it's got to be, it's got to be movie time more uh, in my, in my house, but uh, we shall see. Generally speaking, do you watch a, a fair bit of movies or do you have like a, an aversion 
towards them because of the time commitment? Um, I definitely watch more movies now just because of my husband um, and how much he likes movies compared to shows. We probably watch maybe one movie every couple of days as opposed to I would maybe watch a movie on my own once every two weeks to a month, maybe, if even that. But I don't mind watching movies. I have to be in the mood for it. And the genre of the movie has a some sort of ratio relationship to how willing I am to watch it. I'm much more receptive to documentaries and horror movies and um, that kind of stuff. Because I don't know, I feel like horror movies, you don't really have to pay that much attention. Documentaries, you know, if you miss something, it's not that big a deal. Whereas a drama... I'm much less likely to want to watch unless I'm like feeling so certain that I can give it my 100%. And I would also say that like I often don't want to invest my time in a comedy because I'm afraid I'm not going to find it funny because I've been traumatized by too many like horrible Adam Sandler-esque comedies that are just like, (laughs) well, this was the biggest waste of 90 minutes that anyone could have ever conceived of. (laughs) So um I'm really hesitant to say yes to a comedy unless it's like I already kind of know that like I like this director's style or something like I will never say no to like a Judd Apatow film but like um, if I don't know a certain comedy style I'm like I'm probably not gonna like this it's probably just not it's probably gonna be too dumb and it's like I'm okay with things that are like dumb because the human beings in it are dumb and that's their natural state such as reality television but like Humor that people think is funny that is actually dumb bothers me so much. I, like, I cannot watch, you know, your typical, like, bro comedy. I guess The Hangover is actually objectively a decent comedy, but, like, stuff that's, like, lesser hangovers, like, I can't watch that shit. It's just too stupid. Lesser hangovers. I like that term. Yeah, I, I know what you mean with that. I would say some of it, I mean, this is not going to be where I make my great Adam Sandler defense. But I do think that his some of his older movies are pretty great. Like, I, I really enjoyed Happy Gilmore. I really enjoyed Billy Madison, The Waterboy to a certain extent. I haven't watched some of those movies in a long time. But what was it, 40 First Dates, 50 First Dates or something like that? was That was all right. But then, then it got into, like, a weird tangent where I think it was really not necessarily good. But uh, I did like Uncut Gems. That was really good. However, I did like that. However, yeah, that is a movie that's like, that's going to keep your heart rate elevated the entire time. That is an intense movie. So make sure you're in the mindset for that one. Like if you're in the mindset for like a, I'm ready to be, uh, I don't want to say invigorated, but like captured by a movie, you're going to be basically right beside Adam's journeys there. That's an intense, an intense movie. But I actually thought that was a good movie and a great use of my time. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And I do actually, this is a good way to transition into this. You know, we've been talking a lot about like on a macro level, like, do you like watching movies? A lot of it is, yeah, as you had sort of suggested, so dependent upon the genre and the content of the movie. So sometimes sort of anxiety can be sparked for me with the actual content of the movie. Like I, I find it almost painful sometimes when there's a big central problem that's like plaguing everybody in the movie. And I know we're not even near the point of resolution. I'm just kind of like, Oh gosh, like this makes me anxious. Just like 
I just wish everything would just go okay. Or, or you know, when you when you become familiar enough with movie plots and everything starts off swimmingly at the beginning and you're like, oh gosh, the troubles are about to start. Like the conflict's about to start. And I know inherently that movies would absolutely suck and be absolute shit if there was no conflict <laughs> or nothing. I'm not purporting that we should just watch movies with people eating breakfast and like just being like, mm, pretty good eggs, you know, and just like continues onwards with nothing happening ever. And yet somehow there's some part of me that's like, no, I, I want movies where nothing happens. Just have the beginning until the end. Because the conflict sometimes just like eats at my soul. I don't know how else to describe that. I'm just like, why are all the things going wrong? People are suffering. <laughs> See, I think I just have like a serious case of shot and foot because I'm like, ooh, suffer horror movies. Yes. <laughs> like, I think in some way, I find it kind of therapeutic to see bad things happening to other people. Like, because it's not happening to me at that moment. It probably makes me sound like a sociopath, but like they're fictional people. It's fine. But yeah, well, I mean, I'm sounding, I sound extremely Canadian because I'm like, no, and I'm like, don't let them suffer. This is tragic. You know, everything is great and everyone can be kind and we can all get along. And you're just like, suffer, baby, suffer. Because at least it's not me. I got mine, you got yours. <laughs> I, I suffered yesterday. You're going to suffer today. Yeah. See, I don't really mind. I like actually the escapism of feeling scared or feeling anxious about the movie itself. Or validating your, like validating, sorry to totally cut you off obnoxiously there, but, or just simply validating the fact like you're already feeling a little on edge and a little bit frightened for no real apparent reason you're like I may as well justify yeah it. <laughs> exactly it's it's funny like when I was living alone I would sometimes watch horror movies when I was scared by myself alone at night just to give me something that was like actually scaring me <laughs> rather than just being like I'm a grown adult with a fear of the dark <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> I think that's brilliant actually that's that's it somehow makes sense to me. In a yeah, way. it's it's a little bizarre because it doesn't actually help after the movie is over because then I'm slightly more anxious about like ghosts and I like low key believe that ghosts are real. So like, don't question me on that. Like, I, I low key do believe in ghosts, but I will definitely watch a movie for the purpose of not of taking my mind off of being scared, let myself get scared by that movie and then be happy with my decision to watch it still even though I'll be more scared after watching that movie I know it's bizarre it doesn't make any sense and I think like horror movies are probably the most polarizing type of movie but for some reason I just love them like to me like and it sucks because there are really probably only one or two good horror movies a year if even that like it's a genre that produces the most like trash per capita of movie um but I will watch all 100 of them in pursuit of that one that is really good. It makes me be like, wow, that was freaking phenomenal. That actually makes some some sense to me. You know, I, I kind of see it as like if, if you are somebody who has really has an aversion to noise and you know that you're going to hear a little bit of noise throughout your entire day and you're trying to avoid it, you hear a noise here and you hear a noise there and you hear a noise here, eventually you're like, you know what? Screw it. I'm putting on a heavy metal yeah. concert. You know what <laughs> exactly. I mean? You're, 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 you're kind of just like, I've heard enough noise. At least I'm going to be in charge of the noise. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so how do you go about picking a movie? Like, what is your general way of deciding you're going to watch a movie? 
Okay, so firstly, I should note that I have a note on my phone called shows and movies to watch. And this is like if I'm on Reddit or anyone mentions something to me, I just add it to this list on my phone. And that means that whenever I want to watch a movie, I can check to see if I've got the, you know, if that movie is on Netflix or what have you. And also for, for some reason, like, even though it's somewhat like ambivalent or it doesn't even really matter, it's almost like when something's recommended to me or even if it's to someone totally anonymous online, I can really get around justifying that choice to, to want to watch it. So for example, last night I wanted to do some like stretching before sleeping because I was like hunched all day doing webinar stuff. And I was like, I want to watch something. And actually one of my favorite things to do is just to like put out a yoga mat and stretch while watching a show. So I put on the show uh, and I, I really don't watch that much of anything, especially shows. So this was like a big step for me to like go ahead and watch it. I watched the show Barry on HBO, mm -hmm. which is, I don't know if you know it well, but it's basically about a like a serial killer who's like kind of starting to feel disgruntled with his job. And he's like, not really sure if he wants to continue to be a serial killer and, or no, not serial killer. Sorry. I hired a hired gun and I thought it was brilliant. It's really, it's humorous though. It's really fun. It's with Bill Hader. Nice. That sounds really good. And it's actually, it's really my kind of show. I really like shows and movies because sometimes I feel like I'm like exceptionally strange you know like a, that i have the thoughts that come to my mind are like really way to the left or way to the right or maybe that nobody can sometimes i feel like i'm like like my brain is like really i don't know strangely unique and i just can't nobody else could possibly empathize or resonate exactly what's going on in here and then i watch a show like that and i'm like no no like there's tons of people who are strange who are have so much conviction in that strangeness that they're producing this content which is equally as strange and I, I guess the big thing I really enjoy right now about the movies and shows that are being created is that I, I really can identify and find my place in some of these shows, not as a hitman, but, you know, as a, as the idea that movies and shows used to be mass produced, like how, how can we get the most people to consume this? And it seems like nowadays shows are being produced kind of on an, on an indie level and, and movies as well, where it's like, no, we're fine with having like a small, really devoted following viewership yeah. on this and i feel like that's kind of what this show was so i'm starting to to really appreciate that i mean we've, we've certainly never had more choice available to us and i think that can be really overwhelming to me which is why i keep this list which i constantly add to and reorganize and then the second part of this is that once something's recommended to me and i write it down later i would have to check on imdb and rotten tomatoes to make sure it's it is at least like above a seven, yeah. you know? So if it's a, if it's above a seven, I feel comfortable going ahead and, and watching it to make my own decision on it. But I feel like if it's under a seven, then I'm kind of like, I, I think probably the, the tribe has spoken. You yeah. Know? I agree with that 100% with that obvious caveat that like, it doesn't matter for horror movies because a bad horror movie is still going to be 10 times more entertaining than like a bad, just like other kind of movie. Cause like, I really love the like, just campy shit. So I don't mind if it's just a movie full of jump scares <laughs> and like, oh, someone's in the mirror behind me. I'm like, oh my God, someone in the mirror behind you. Wow, what a concept. <laughs> like, I truly just don't care. Even if things are super tired, I will still get a little cheap thrill out of it. It's kind of like watching a show that you've already seen. Like, you already know the jokes, but like, you're like, okay, whatever, it's fine. Like, I'm just along for the ride again. This is just a way to pass the time. But I really don't like committing to a movie without knowing what its, like, objective number is. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't really know. I would say, yeah, about a seven is probably where I consider something good to watch. Like under a seven, it would be kind of hard for me to want to commit to that or like under a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think C C or above is kind of where I need to be with a movie. I don't want to watch a D movie. Does it make you anxious as it does make me anxious to know that people used to watch movies without having any ability necessarily to double check what other people thought about it? You know, it sounds like a strange concept, but like, could you imagine, I couldn't imagine that just going ahead and watching something and being like, I don't, I can't assign a rating to this. And I I can't tell if that's alarming or not. I mean, I guess to some extent there's reviews and newspapers and stuff, but it wasn't like as on demand. And to play devil's advocate with that, I wonder if it was easier back in the day. You followed a particular movie reviewer and you know you aligned with their taste in that paper. And so they recommended something to you and you thought, great, I know I'll like this. Whereas now there's so much information out there enough that you could absolutely justify watching a movie or absolutely never, never watch that movie and justify both of those decisions because you could find really whatever information you want to justify whatever decision you're going to make at this point with the amount of information. So there was less to choose from back then too. So there's also a good chance that let's say 60 years ago or something like that, you probably be just appreciative of the form, the outing of going to the movie a whole bunch of other things, whereas now we're hyper-focused on, like, is it good enough? Yeah. You know, is it good enough for my eyes? Yeah. One of the first movies ever shown was just, like, a train coming at the at the screen, and people were like, oh, this is amazing! And, ah, let me run out of here because this train is real! Like, like, I think people just had a different benchmark of how appreciative they were of the art form, and they were then more receptive to being surprised and I don't really want to be surprised I don't really love surprises I kind of want to know before I sit down to watch the movie am I going to love it or am I gonna feel eh about it you know I don't I kind of like knowing what I'm getting into and when deciding whether or not to watch a movie that's something that I I want to be aware of for some reason and I also hate being the one to like pick the movie uh, when we're watching movies at home unless like I've heard a lot of buzz about a movie and I feel pretty good about being like yeah this will be entertaining at least we can like participate in the wider conversation about this movie and know what this movie is like even if it is a waste of time or not as good as I hope one thing I really don't like when I'm watching a movie is a super ambiguous ending when it's like not beneficial to the form You know, there are times where there can be like an ambiguous ending, but like there's something poetic in the ambiguity. And then there are times where there's just like an ambiguous ending. And I'm like, what happens next? This is not this is not where you put the final period on the sentence. Like we need another scene or two, you know, did did you run out of budget? (laughs) Yeah, like I don't mind a well done ambiguous ending. But if something is ambiguous and the movie itself was bad, it gives me such a worse experience of the movie as a whole afterwards so would you be anxious like is it possible that you would start to get anxious about a movie for example let's say you're watching boyhood and you know that the premise of the movie might lead you to a place where you're like i'm not going to get the resolution i need here like is that something that could spur anxiety in you like in in a real way where you're like oh no i'm going to watch this and uh, i've only seen a snapshot of of the of what i should have seen 
I will never watch Boyhood probably for that reason, <laughs> like because I know that it's also like really long as well and doesn't have a super neat bow. So yeah, that would make me anxious. And I probably won't watch a movie that I know has like a controversial ending where people were like the ending was let down. I'm just like, well, the ending is the most important part. I need to see where we end up. Yeah, that's something that would make me a little bit on the anxious side is not not believing that there's going to be a satisfying end to a movie, especially and it's like, the longer the movie is, the more I need it to have a satisfying ending to justify the time that I spent sitting there watching it. If it's a shorter movie, like a 90 minute movie, I still want it to have an, a good ending that makes sense for it. But it's not quite as much pressure. Whereas in the rare instance that I would watch a over two hour long movie, I would want it to have a really, really satisfying ending. Fair. Yeah. I think there's one thing I wanted to touch upon. We were talking about choosing the movie and the anxiety around that. For me, that that if I'm watching a movie of my own, I get anxious about it being, you know, quote unquote, worth my time and so on and so forth, which we dove into that pretty extensively. But I think I, I'm certainly get anxious about choosing a movie for others or choosing anything for others or like I'm we can talk about this probably on another episode entirely. But I, when, if I'm organizing anything, I would be so anxious about it going well or that people are enjoying themselves. I don't know whether it's like from my mom or something like that because she's like the ultimate host. Whenever I'm like hosting something or I'm taking responsibility for what's going to happen, I will obsess over whether people are enjoying it. So the idea of choosing a movie and then someone not enjoying it is somewhat crushing for me. Like I would probably spend most of the movie making sure other people were enjoying the movie that I was pretending to enjoy. <laughs> You would just be watching their faces as they watch the movie. They'd Very like, I'm creepy. To enjoy this movie, but Chris just keeps staring at me, and I can't fucking pay attention to. Yeah. I was enjoying it until Chris just got super creepy and looked at me the entire movie. Um, he didn't know <laughs> that I could see him looking at me because it was dark, but I could definitely see he was just staring at me, um, almost with like a, with a strange, hopeful expression on his face. <laughs> And I think I saw a tear or two sliding into his popcorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that is a real thing. I'm like, I want everyone to be the happiest possible. And and that's also some sometimes when we're like, at, I don't know, we, we'll be at a cottage or something like that. We'll be hanging out or we'll be, in, I don't know, a friend's place or whatever. And if everyone's having a good time, then someone's like, hey, we should watch a movie. Then I'm like, oh, no, like, I, I, I can't. I know that in other situations, like we're playing cards, we're having a drink, we're talking, I can add to the happiness with like comments and smiles and hugs and all this kind of stuff. I know I'm sounding very Canadian right now, but <laughs> but once the movie comes on, I lose all control over making the situation great. It's all up to the movie and that gives me legitimate anxiety. <laughs> I love that though. That that's totally true, though. Like, and I feel, I feel that way about picking anything that I then ask other people to tune into. Like, it's the same with picking music for a road trip. You know, I feel like an immense amount of pressure to have, like, picked the right thing for the moment and not have wasted other people's time. Mm -hmm. So I totally get that 100%. And then you're skipping, like you put on a song and then you like skip it halfway through and then someone in the back just like, oh, I was enjoying that. And you're like, oh, I, I thought you weren't enjoying it. And then you panic <laughs> and then you, you like, and then you catastrophize it in your head and you're like, oh my gosh, I've like, I've, I've ruined it because of that. And like, it's, and then of course that's where you get into like the spiral of it, you know, and you're like, yeah. oh my, 
this is incredible. I saw this, um, I saw this great meme the other day and it was, uh, like it's for the subreddit for ADHD anxiety. Yes, there is a subreddit for that on Reddit. And there was this great image and it just, it was a, it was a balloon, a bright red balloon. And it said my self-confidence and love. And then there was a little pin beside it that was labeled an incredibly minor mistake that no one even noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so accurate. It was like, and so like, that's, that's where you get in that situation where like you chose a song on the road trip and you know, everybody else is just literally just looking at the window, like not even really paying attention to the song or whatever. But you are like, oh my gosh, do they like it? And then you change it and someone's like, oh, I was enjoying that. And then it's like, oh no, you know, I've, and now I've <laughs> ruined it all. And like, this is a, you know, a common thread that's going to keep reappearing, but it's that larger than life mentality. Yeah. And, it, and it's so self-propelled. <laughs> It is. It's so completely unwarranted and unnecessary. And it's just like, it's also, it's also a little bit conceited in a way, right? Because it it makes you feel like you're so important that you're like the deciding factor on whether or not other people are enjoying themselves based on something that you picked. It's like a way of inflating your impact on the world. So in that way, it is a little bit just like, wow, you think a lot of yourself. And you're like, I really don't. I just do think a lot about myself. <laughs> yeah, it's not I think a lot of myself, it's I think a lot about myself. And it's, yes. <laughs> it's it's so, I think it's hilarious you bring that up because it's so true. Like, and again, it comes back to what we were saying before the beginning of the episode where we're talking about, or at least me talking about how I know objectively it's ridiculous, but yet I still feel it. So when you put it in plain terms, it's like I've chosen a movie that I'm going to put on. And in my head, I've put my neck on the line here, you know, and I'm like, oh, gosh. And it's like, but... but Ready then, the guillotine. Yeah, exactly. But then it's like, but what what would the real end worst case scenario be in that? Like, do I think someone would literally be like, Chris, we were having a great time. And then you put on that damn movie, you know, and it's like, it's like and then they would blame me for the movie. That movie was bad, Chris, real bad, you know, and just walk yeah. out of the house. Like, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, sure. They might, they might make a comment about the movie not being their favorite, but I would probably internalize it as like, I'm not their favorite, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> which is so ridiculous. Yeah, totally. It's funny. I actually find for me, it's super helpful to actually go to that worst case scenario in my head and just super logically walk through it. Like I read a book, um, The Antidote by Oliver Berkman, and he was basically saying that positive thinking can be a trap and that forcing yourself to always think positive can sometimes end up being worse off for you than actually letting yourself go to that negative place, but taking it very logically, even taking it to an extreme, but a logical extreme, and then just being like, okay, well, what would that actually do to me? Like, okay, what if, you know, this person never, never wants me to pick a movie again, or like, thinks that I'm an idiot, like, what will that actually do to my life, you know? Because so much of the time, it's not even people that I necessarily have like a super strong relationship with who I really like am invested in what they think of me. Sometimes it's just random people. I get very invested in that. And so sometimes it's really helpful for me to actually go to that worst case scenario and see, well, is it really actually that bad? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think that's very, I think that's really well said and a lot to think about there. I was, I was sort of casually petting my chin and pondering throughout that thinking like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because yeah, making that worst case scenario 
so they don't like this movie and yeah, they, they decide to not friend me, like be, befriend me anymore and everything ends. And then you're kind of like, well, that would be awfully extreme. And you, <laughs> you, you probably come to the realization that anyone who would decide that you're no longer friends because of the movie you put on is probably not worth being friends with in the first place. And you make all these realizations, but it's, I guess comes back to the notion for me of like everything can sometimes feel larger than life and you can get caught in a trap where you you're always finding something wrong with a situation. So like I might spend all day being like, I'm so excited for 10 PM to roll around when I can just drink a beer and watch this movie. And then the movie comes on and you like find something else to replace whatever you were worried about before. And you're like, you don't get any relief from it because you're worried about some aspect of the movie or something arbitrary. And eventually you just have to be like, all right, put the, you know, put everything down for a second. Like there's no logical reason to be stressed about this. Like this is an anti-stress activity and you're <laughs> going to be okay. And and for me, mostly it's about reminding myself like, Hey bud, like it's okay to relax. Like you, <laughs> yeah. like the deep breaths, big guy, deep breaths. I, I guess that would be like my patronizing bro, um, <laughs> <laughs> like reminder. Your patronizing inner bro. Yeah. My patronizing inner bro. <laughs> Chris, bud, you got a simmer. <laughs> deep breaths tag <laughs> oh dear i think everyone needs a patronizing inner bro though just to take them down a peg <laughs> yeah i think so you're not that special man yeah we should have a segment on this show like patronizing inner bro like what did your patronizing inner bro say this week <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're gonna burn out in flames bro like <laughs> Actually, I guess that might be a helpful bro. I don't know. We, yeah, we, sounds sounds like a decent bro to have around. That does sound like day. a decent bro. Yeah, maybe there's a fun, there's a fine line between with bromanship between patronizing and support, right? So yeah. I, I learned that from playing lots of competitive hockey growing up. It's a fine line <laughs> between encouragement and discouragement. There you go. But that's very Canadian childhood, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I don't know about you, but we uh, were only allowed to play hockey. Um, that was just it. That no schooling or nothing, and we were able to watch <laughs> movies involving hockey. So um, okay, Mighty, so Mighty Ducks only. Mighty Ducks was huge, um, and then uh, you know a few other classic hockey flicks. Uh, lots of Don Cherry, Rock'em Sock'em, which was I'm not sure if you know about this, but this was a compilation of literally the biggest hits and fights uh, that would come out on VHS. And it was a stocking stuffer for Canadians. That is lovely. I will say that the eminent fighting that occurs in hockey, where you just know that at any point a fist fight is going to erupt, is one of the few things that will actually make me watch a sport. There you go. I hate sports. We have like, sports I... lined up. We have sports lined up for another episode. Oh, perfect. Because I have a lot of feelings about sports. So I will table those so that we have another episode to record. But um, <laughs> yeah, hockey is one of those few sports that I can watch because there's enough happening. Speaking of watching things, uh, just to bring it back to movies, I hope people are enjoying my transitions at this point. Um, I, know, <laughs> I know even without seeing you that you're perhaps politely shaking your head at this point, And that's what I'm after. So are you... <laughs> I'm not sure this necessarily relates to anxiety per se, but just because we're in the general realm of the topic, are you good with watching movies again? Or are you always trying to find a new movie to add to your mental repertoire? 
Oh, I will absolutely rewatch a movie if I liked it. I have no problem rewatching things because the honest truth is that I have a terrible memory. And so it's almost like watching a new movie all over again. Like there are times where like this movie made such an impact on my life and I still don't know what actually happens in it. When I watch it again, I'm like, it's almost like watching it for the first time, but with a bit of deja vu. So I will definitely forget movies. And so I don't mind a rewatch if it was worth watching the first time. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I, I don't mind watching movies. I don't often rewatch movies, but I like to rewatch movies just for a certain feeling. And I, mm-hmm. I'm curious, of, or just I think it's interesting that you mentioned that you wouldn't necessarily remember movies well. And I wonder if that's in some way related to the fact that typically people who who have uh, anxiety in some way have such a strong internal dialogue going on. I wonder if that, you know, having that strong internal dialogue can sometimes make it like the movie in your head almost is is louder than the movie on the screen, you know? Oh, I think 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it's really hard for me to sit and be present with a movie. And that's actually one of the reasons why I really like going to the movie theaters. If I know that there's a movie that like I really want to fully experience because I don't want to be the asshole in the movie theater looking at their phone and I won't be then I will actually pay attention to the movie because I have no choice. And I do feel slightly like a captive and there is a little bit of anxiety that like, is this going to be, is this going to be a Carmen situation (laughs) where, where I just think about leaving the whole time. Um, But in general, if I am fairly confident that I will enjoy a movie, I actually prefer to go see it in the theaters because I know I'll be able to give it, the attention that it deserves. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you on that. I, I also like the event behind it all. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know movies can be a little pricey in that, but at the same time too, like a, for a, the price of a pint or two at a bar, probably a very average pint or two at a bar, you can go and catch a movie. I don't know. There's something very wholesome about it as an, as an event. And I like, I really, I like when nights have like a very clear plan and the idea of like, I don't know, going out for dinner getting a movie, like everything's kind of already been decided. So for me, if, if it was uh, 10 p.m. at a bar and we've been there for a little bit of time, like in my head, I'm already figuring out where we're going next. I, I always play that role where I'm like organizing things and planning the next step and sending messages and all this kind of stuff. So in a way, it's really actually quite soothing for me or at least calming to know like, okay, the night's already taken care of. We're going over dinner. And then we're going to see a movie, which is going to have an hour of previews, which means that I know we're getting out at like 1245, no matter what, because the movie's supposed to start at 10, but it'll actually start at 11. And yeah. we'll all arrive at 1245 and everybody will look like they are tired kittens. And they're all scratching their eyes and ready to go to bed. And then you go home and have a great sleep and you're politely bloated from all the popcorn. And if you didn't have a big enough... Uh, soda or pop pop as we say in the great white north oh then... no mm-hmm. Did i say pop we do that's unfortunate is it i mean in it like a in like a tragic way or like in like a i'm superior because i'm from california way yeah like i'm gonna sound like a real <laughs> douchebag here and just be like i'm against other forms of english besides my personal english <laughs> like it's not a it's not a pop it's not a Coke if it's if it, it's a Coke if it's a Coke. It's not a Coke if it's soda, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm also really against the presence of the letter U in words like color or like the inversion of like theater, like the theater with like an R-E ending. 
I'm really against like British spelling. Um, we realized that we called them the English uh, because they created the language, right? Yes, but I still will fight every day of my life for the supremacy of my American dialect. <laughs> so you 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 prefer to see the world in bright colors? Oh my god, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually like my husband will say words like color just to bother me <laughs> like because he knows that it's such a thing for me because I actually like for some reason the the phrase like pop of color like with a u like I know people actually say it color but like I have to say color so that the listener can hear I despise that that but I think of, of color I think of like that's my that's my American like that's my joke at American spelling color c-o-l-o-r like you if oh, you know, calor with a U is that's how I calor to make fun of calor, calor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're probably both wrong and both right, um, <laughs> and that's and that's okay. But we can have a topic on that another day. <laughs> I use British spelling for the most part um, since they're the OG, you know. But but the U.S. has done a pretty fantastic job at. Uh, taking everything they can and then politely forming their own narrative. I've said politely a lot this episode, so please excuse me. But that was very polite of you. I was going to say that was a good, I was waiting for that joke there. But the U.S. has done a great job of, in a sense, just making sure that their destiny is their own. They're like, no, we like, we see your kilometers and we raise you miles. And yeah. we see your meters and we raise your feet. And it's just, it's, it's almost a sense of control where it's like, no. This is America, and here you will use, <laughs> you will use, take your Celsius and go to hell. Take your meters and go to hell. <laughs> and then Canada, in, in the most classic stance ever, decides, we'll take a bit of both. It's like, we'll go with the cams, yeah. we'll go with the kilometers, but we will measure in feet. And it's, 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 I think that more than anything else is emblematic of Canada's role in the world, where it's like, we'll yeah. appease everybody. Um, maybe at the cost <laughs> and of ourselves. To nothing. <laughs> yeah, maybe at the cost of our, our ourselves. But yeah, it's allowed me to be proficient in uh, in Celsius and feet, and I can I can get along all with everybody. So we're allowed to joke like this because yes. you know deep down inside uh, we appreciate each other's. Uh, I appreciate large swaths of your nation. There are pockets that you probably you and I probably equally don't appreciate. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> Sorry but you know about what? that, guys. <laughs> yeah. At the risk of turning this pretty fun-loving, uh, kind of interesting episode on movies into a deep and horrid political diatribe, why don't we pull back a little bit and just say, "Hey, I think we've had our we've had our movie chat, and we can talk about something positive." And that, for me, is is asking you what one thing. That over the last week, you are thinking to yourself, I think I handled that pretty well. You're patting yourself on the back for it. It doesn't even have to be in the last week, even since, I don't know, since any time. One thing you're patting yourself on the back for can be mentality, can be an action, whatever. It's just a nice way to end the the, the episode on something a little thumbs up-y. So what say you? Uh, yeah, I think I've just been having a generally slightly more positive outlook um obviously we're recording these in the times of COVID-19 so things have been kind of stressful but I'm just when you just asked me that now I kind of realized where I've come from which was like actually like waking up in the middle of the night having panic attacks because I was so stressed out that I had like contracted it because I have some pretty serious health anxiety 
to a point where I've sort of been able to get to a place mentally where I am, well, I'm in Bulgaria. So like the situation isn't quite as serious here. Like the outbreak has been like rather well contained. So, but I'm feeling like more comfortable doing things that I have to do, like going outside and walking my dog. I used to be like walking down the street with like my shoulders practically in my ears from anxiety of like how close people are to me. And I think I've kind of reasoned my way into like the level of wariness that you need to have to keep yourself safe, but also like not make yourself absolutely insane with uh, worrying all the time. And so I think I've kind of just like reached you know, sort of the best equilibrium that I think you can really have in a time like this that's so uncertain and bizarre and just something that you don't expect to live through. I just feel like I've kind of come to terms with where we are at right now. And I know a large part of that is probably the privilege that I have of living in a place where the response has been quite good. In Bulgaria, the state of emergency is over and there's sort of loosening things back up a bit. So like I was able to go for a hike on the mountain uh, right outside the city. And that really helped clear my head and made me feel really good about life. And I think we're going to go on another hike this weekend as well. And so I'm just feeling like overall, like I've had my ups and downs and stuff. But overall, like I think a net positive change from definitely from where I was like at the beginning of this outbreak, and still getting better from like even just the beginning of the month, I think things have been getting less severe feeling. Good, good. That's great to hear. I think for me, it's been more up and down. I don't think I got as low at the beginning. And I think like for me, the real realization came a little bit later of how much this was going to affect everything that was going on. And in light of that, I think it took me some time to process just how much of a pivot this was going to be for, for me and a lot of the stuff that I'm doing. Um, that being said, the, the other side of that where I'm kind of feeling pretty good about is that a lot of the things that I've been working on, including this podcast and a few other things, I've put in a lot of work behind closed doors and now they're coming to light. And I'm just really excited to see people interact with this and uh, especially this project. I think it'd be, I don't know, really need to see, hopefully it encourages people to be vulnerable and just talk about uh, the fact that, yeah, it's okay to not be perfect right now. The other thing for me is the the idea that just in general doing this podcast or the amount of time I'm spending towards actually thinking about my mental health, while it can be difficult at times because you're aware that you're not, you know, doing great, I'm really grateful to not be on autopilot. I feel like I've really effectively stopped living on autopilot and that, mm-hmm. that means that means that some days are are worse than when it was on autopilot, but a lot of days are better and I guess the big thing is that when you take that time to reflect on yourself and check in with yourself and do all the things you know are going to give you a chance to think about how you're doing, at least you take a moment to understand how you're feeling, you know? And, and I think that for mm-hmm. me feels good because the days don't, even though things are moving quickly right now, I feel like each day I can actually pinpoint how I'm feeling and that feels to seemingly worth something, you know? Yeah, I think in some weird way, this pandemic, which um, if you don't know much about me and Chris, we're both travel bloggers. So, you know, that's pretty much like our entire way of life being and making a making a living has pretty much evaporated. 
And because I was in a relatively okay place, like beforehand, and I live in a country with a low cost of living, I've been able to handle the loss of my income pretty well. The positive side of a the bad situation is that it's actually freed me up to focus on new projects, which I probably wouldn't have done when things were going well, because I would just be thinking, well, I should just keep doing what's working. I should just keep doing what's making me money. And the interesting thing is that this has sort of forced me to shift my perspective because people probably aren't going to be traveling for pleasure at the rates that they were for years now. And so it's given me sort of permission to stop focusing so much on productivity and what I'm actually creating every single day and has let me think a little bit more about what are some new things that I want to be doing with my time and like, what are some new ways and things I want to be exploring, you know? Definitely. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And it's also important to cling on to those silver linings and to, and I think it's absolutely right. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's like something fabricated. I think that's absolutely right. And quite honestly, I mean, the, the I know, you know, you get to a certain age, getting a little bit older and you start to see people who are 10 years away from you or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50. And it, you know, I can say for certain now it's, it's that there's not a direct correlation necessarily between being really wealthy and really happy. And so you got to find your happiness from somewhere else. Um, but before I uh, start to sound like a, you know, like a really optimistic talk show host or something like that, um, I will, I think we can, we can probably, um, put a bow on that. And I think those are actually, I mean, all joking aside, I think those are great sentiments. And I think it's a really nice way to end this episode. And, and obviously I hope that everybody enjoyed the episode today. If people um, are really mourning the one week, they're going to have to wait to hear the next episode. <laughs> uh, where can they look for you? It doesn't have to be everything or, or whatever, but where, it could be everything too. Where, where, where should they look for online Allison? Um, if you want online Allison's dog, you can check me out on Instagram at Eternal Arrival. I'm, I just got a dog two months ago and I'm obsessed with posting pictures of him everywhere. He's like an adorable Bulgarian rescue adorable. dog. And I'm obsessed with him because I'm not going to have children. So this is essentially my child, a sentiment which my husband hates. He's like, if it didn't come out of you, it is not your child. I'm like, this is basically my child. So <laughs> I'm really obsessed with my dog. I post a lot of uh, photos and videos of him on my Instagram at Eternal Arrival. Um, I have some travel blogs that are probably not relevant at the moment. So um, yeah, you can also find me here, obviously, <laughs> once a week. And I uh, also have a food blog called The Passport Kitchen, where I have panic attacks about photographing mac and cheese and then upload the recipe anyway. <laughs> so Sweet. don't go there for the photography because it ain't there yet. But um, one thing I just keep repeating to myself over and over with pretty much everything I do is just better done than perfect. Um, I'm not really actually a perfectionist, but sometimes the perception of how people will think of me can keep me from doing certain things. So I guess I am a little bit of a perfectionist. Um, but I've been really just trying to focus on just putting myself out there and I can fix it later and having that sort of mentality. Um, so with that vote of confidence, check out my food blog. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, 
you, Chris. <laughs> I heard that the tagline for that is the headquarters of amazing food photography. Is that the, is that what you <laughs> yes. use? For yes, exactly. Kitchen? It's okay. uh, groundbreaking food photography okay. and also recipes. Yeah I, 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 yeah, I heard it was something like, come here for your perfect food photography and feel free to judge. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Judge away and please let me know what I should Judge do better. Judge and reach out and tell me, um, with preferably with abusive emails. Yes, <laughs> yes. Explain things to me, please. <laughs> really, in a, in a really demeaning and demoralizing tone, if at all possible. Yes. So, <laughs> so great. Yeah, so for, for me, kind of the same thing. I mean, I think people can probably figure out what my channels are from previous episodes and so on. Um, you can go to Traveling Mitch if you want. I just, I'm writing kind of off travel stuff. Um, if you happen to be in the province of Ontario, I have a niche Ontario site um, called ultimateontario.com. And uh, I think that's kind of, I mean, the best place to find me is is on Twitter, probably at Traveling Mitch, and and then hopefully just follow along here. I guess I since we haven't done it yet, uh, I'll just encourage people to subscribe if you like what you're hearing, and share it with other people. Leave um, a review, although not in a demeaning, demoralizing tone, which is very attacky. Just uh, leave good reviews. But all joking aside, all reviews <laughs> help, and we uh, we appreciate that. If you've tuned in all the way to the end, a huge thanks to anyone who's listening along. We are new, but uh, we're excited about it and we hope you are too. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will catch you next week. Yeah. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Do you think we'll ever end an episode without being super awkward? Oh, I, I still haven't stopped recording. So we'll just leave this, <laughs> let's leave this awkward ending in and bye again. <laughs> <laughs>